Good morning. Take your Bibles. We're going to uh, do two things here in the next few minutes. We're going to uh, start a new series, a summer series of messages, and we are going to prepare ourselves to come to the Lord's table. Back in the fall, we did a short four-part series called But God. As you know, there are many places in Scripture where you come along and you find these two words, but God. And they're very important, very significant. And so what we did last fall was we looked at four of those places. And after that series, I took a survey, if you remember, to find out uh, if you wanted to do some more of those but God studies and look at some more of those places. And it was unanimous that you did. And so it's kind of like you asked for an encore, right? I want to confess something to you and, and pass on something maybe you didn't know. When musicians, after their concert, are asked for an encore, they already have a song planned. You, you usually in those situations don't hear the musician saying to the rest of the band, okay, they want an encore, what should we play? Have you noticed they always have something? You know why? It's because they expect an encore. They expect you're going to ask for an encore, and so they've already picked a song and prepared it. When I was presenting the four-part series called But God, I expected your response. I just believed that God, because of how important and significant that little phrase, but God, is, would stir your heart to the point where you wanted to look at more of those. So the confession is, I already had a whole list of other but gods ready. I, I knew that at some point we were going to have an encore. And so this summer is the encore. We're going to look at seven more places where that phrase, but God, appears. And um, we're going to start today in Romans. So if you would turn there, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And you may want your study sheets uh, not only to take notes, but we're going to go through that quite quickly. So you might want to follow along. Let's pray first. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for things in your word that uh, just catch our attention, things in your word that are so significant, uh, so important, that we just know we need more. Father, thank you for the way your word can change our lives if we respond appropriately to it. And Father, we know that from experience, just looking at these places where those words, but God, show up, that there are some important things that we can learn that can impact our lives. And so, God, as we spend the rest of the summer looking at some of these places, some of these truths, 
I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And today, Lord, could you just use this one to further prepare us to come to your table and to remember what Jesus did for us. In his name we pray. Amen. But God. Very important, significant phrase. Usually that phrase, when it shows up, shifts our attention and our focus to something that's really important, a very necessary truth. And almost every time that truth that our attention is shifted to by the words, but God, is a truth about God. Something about him, something he has done. The words, but God, usually present a contrast within the text. We, we read the text. We, we have something described, something mentioned. Then it says, but God. And usually what follows is a contrast to what we have just read. When we see the phrase, but God, it tends to take something in a different direction. It it tends to take the text, what we've been reading, in another direction. Or the situation we're reading about in another direction. And, of course, there are times when that little phrase, but God, moves us into something that could change our lives. Um, It's that important that we pay attention when we're reading Scripture and we see those words, but God. Because what's going to follow could be very life-changing if we respond to it. So we're going to look at seven more of those on your sheet just to remind you and review in case you uh, were part of the study in the fall or you weren't. On the sheet there, top right, you have the four but God principles that we talked about and where they're found. So I'm not going to read them to you. Uh, Take that home and use that as a review. This morning we're going to do a fifth one, but God. And it's found here in Romans chapter 5. So let me read it first and and you follow along. Romans 5, starting with verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God, there it is, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The principle here, we'll read that first and then we'll look at the text that it comes from. Notice on your sheet, this but God principle. Because of our sinfulness, every person is an ungodly enemy of God and powerless to escape this condition 
by our own efforts. But God displayed his amazing, unconditional love for us by sending Jesus to take our place in death, paying the sin penalty that we deserve. That is a summary of Romans 5, 6 to 10. It's our fifth but God principle. Let's look at the text because we want to use it as uh, a preparation to come to the Lord's table. Uh, The Lord's table is a time of remembrance for God's people. And I want to point out three things from this text that we are remembering when we come to the Lord's table. First of all, we are remembering our past condition without Christ. Now, for all of us, that might involve different amounts of years. For me, it was 11. I was 11 years old when I came to Christ. So my past condition is from my first 11 years of life. For some of you, it's your first 20 years of life. Uh, Steve Cranes shared his testimony with us yesterday morning, and uh, he came to Christ at the age of 21. So if he were here, he'd be remembering his past condition without Christ 20 years worth. And for you, maybe it was longer than that. Okay? But let's remember our past condition. In this text, Paul uses four words to describe our past condition without Christ. In the text, you see the word sinners, the word ungodly, the word enemy, and the word powerless. So Paul uses those words. We'll use those as we come to the table today. Remember your past condition. Whatever the details, you and I were sinners. We were sinners. And because we were sinners, we were ungodly. Because sin always leads you in the ungodly direction. And we were enemies of God. Now, some people will say, I wasn't an enemy. I wasn't God's enemy. I had nothing against him. The Bible says you were his enemy. If you were caught up in your sin, which caused you to live an ungodly life, that made you an enemy. Our sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 tells us that. It separates us. We've sinned and we've fallen short of God's standards. And that makes us his enemy. And there's nothing we can do about it to change it on our own. And the term that Paul uses there is powerless, helpless, unable on our own to do anything to change this condition of being ungodly sinners who are enemies of God, separated from him, no relationship. Nothing we can do. We can try, but there's nothing we can do on our own to change that condition of being sinners who are ungodly because of sin controlling our lives 
and who are separated enemies from God. Now, in some circles, after saying that to you, I could be canceled. Because that doesn't sound positive and affirming. Right? We're sinners, ungodly, enemies of God, and powerless to do anything about it on our own. Well, maybe it's not positive and maybe it's not affirming, but it's truth. That's what the Scripture says. So, as we come to the table today, I just want you who know Jesus to remember your past condition. What your life was like before you knew Jesus. The second thing we're remembering that Paul talks about here is the loving sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. First of all, he says, it happened at just the right time. Did you notice that? Verse 6, at just the right time, at the chosen moment, Christ died for us. A loving sacrifice. It was about love. It was undeserved. Did you notice the the passage? While we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly, while we were still powerless, while we were his enemies, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus the cross. It was a loving, unconditional sacrifice. We didn't have to change first. It was gracious. It was unconditional. While we were still powerless, still sinners, still ungodly, still God's enemies, his love was demonstrated by sending Jesus to the cross. And Paul says, He died for us. That's what was happening on the cross. Jesus died for us in the place of us. He chose to be our substitute. The Bible says he knew no sin, but he became sin on our behalf. He took our place. Peter says in 1 Peter that he bore in his body our sin. Think of your sins in that past condition. He bore those sins in his body on the cross. He died for us. He paid our sin penalty. He was judged by a holy father in our place the judgment we deserved. It was a loving sacrifice at just the right time, undeserved, in our place. And we have to say it, it was a bloody death. It was a bloody death. It was terrible. In fact, Paul brings up the fact that blood was involved in this passage. In verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, Peter says that that was the price 
in 1 Peter 1. That was the price Jesus paid so that we could be forgiven. It was his blood. It was a bloody death. Happened at just the right time, the chosen moment. It was all about love. It was undeserved, but God's unconditional love was displayed as he sent Jesus to the cross. And Jesus died for us in our place. He paid the penalty that we deserve. Totally unconditional love. And it was suffering. It was a bloody death. And so when we come to the table today, we remember that. We remember our past condition before we knew Christ. We also remember the loving sacrifice that Christ experienced for our salvation. And that's why we use the bread, and that's why we use the contents of the cup, to remember that loving sacrifice of his body and the shedding of his blood. The third thing that we remember that Paul mentions here, of course, is the life-saving salvation that many of us have experienced because of the loving sacrifice of Christ. Many of us have trusted Christ. We've responded to this good news. We've responded to this only way that our sinful, ungodly condition can be changed and dealt with. And we have repented of our sins that Jesus paid for. And we have sought his forgiveness that was made available. And we have committed our lives to him by faith to be our Savior and Lord. And it's life-changing. And you'll notice in the passage, Paul uses three words to talk about what happens in salvation. He uses the word justified. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, he uses the word reconciled. We're not only justified, forgiven, made righteous in God's sight, but we are reconciled to God. We who were enemies, we who were separated from him by our sins because we've been justified, forgiven, made righteous, we now are reconciled with God. We are in relationship with God. We've gone from enemy to child son or daughter, and God is our Father, reconciled. And he uses the word saved. And notice in that one verse, verse 9, we are saved from God's wrath. Because God's wrath was poured out on Jesus as he bore our sins. He paid for it. And when we trust him for that forgiveness for that salvation, for that reconciliation. We are delivered from his wrath. And we have hope. We have eternal life. We're changed. And so when we come to the Lord's table, that's what we're remembering. We're remembering maybe a time. We're remembering... A a day, maybe. Some of us remember a day. Uh, remembering a place. 
a situation, wherever it was that we trusted Christ for salvation and were justified, forgiven, became children of God, were saved. We're remembering that because that was a wonderful day. That was a wonderful time. It changed us, right? And so we come to the Lord's table and we remember that. So that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. And right in the middle of the passage, in verse 8, we have, but God. He describes our past condition. And he says, but God. But God displayed his love. By sending Jesus to die for us. Do you see how that changes everything? Do you see how that uh, diverts the attention from that past sinful condition to the loving sacrifice by Jesus and what that can do in people's lives? But God here changes everything. This but God changed many of our lives. And we know it. And so when we come to this table, we will remember that. Notice on the bottom of your sheet, there's a quote by an author named Bill Hull. He says, Jesus' sacrifice was the greatest and most outrageous in the history of humanity. This loving sacrifice of Jesus that we remember this morning, according to Bill Hull, was the greatest and most outrageous sacrifice in all history. And I was reading in a magazine um, about uh, the war that's going on in Ukraine, Ukraine, and um, there was this quote by the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church. And basically what he said is that the Russian soldiers who die while fighting in Ukraine will have all their sins washed away because of their sacrifice. Friends, there's only one sacrifice that can wash away sin. And that's the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. When he bore our sins, paid for them, provided forgiveness of sin. It's the only sacrifice that will do it. The only sacrifice. Nothing else. And so we remember that today. So, in just a couple minutes, we're going to come to the Lord's table. I'm going to be inviting you, and as John said, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a regular attender here. Um, the Lord's table is for anyone who has experienced the salvation that he provided through his loving sacrifice. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are welcome to this table. And when you come, remember, okay, 
However you want to do that, remember. Remember your condition before Jesus was in your life. Remember his loving sacrifice that these elements remind us of. And remember the day, the time, the place, the situation where you trusted him for forgiveness and for salvation. And when you remember, could you thank him? Humbly thank him. And if you need to, would you reaffirm your commitment to him? You might need to today. And his table is a great place to do that, to reaffirm your commitment to him. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said this about what we are about to do. He said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the other thing we're doing is remembering one of the great but gods of Scripture. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we remember. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to your table now, Father, we come humbly. We come remembering what our life was like in sin before we knew Jesus. Father, we come remembering what Jesus did for us out of unconditional love. We did not deserve what he did for us. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve to be called your children. We don't deserve to be delivered from your wrath. But, Father, through Jesus, many of us have experienced that. And so we come to remember that, and we come to remember how you worked in our lives, when it was, where it was, how it happened. We come to remember that and to thank you and to reaffirm our commitment. Father, we thank you for the bread that we'll be eating. Thank you for the body of Jesus that it will help us remember, that body that was lovingly given up for us on the cross. And, Father, we thank you for the cup and its contents and how it's going to help us remember the blood that Jesus shed, the price he had to pay that we could be forgiven. Father, let this be a holy time, a sacred time, as your people remember. In Jesus' name, amen.
you come to the table and uh, serve yourself uh, whenever you're ready to do that. And uh, uh, we'll give you all the time you need at the table and to come from upstairs, wherever. But let's have this holy, sacred time of remembering. Um, Because of that wonderful phrase, but God.